0: So this week's going to be a short one. The last couple have been kind of long, so I'm going to do just a, just a short, simple, quick, easy one this week. What I want to do is I want to talk about live schematics. Um, and this is going to sound a little bit like an ad, but I'm not going to ask you to buy anything. So if it's advertising anything, it's just advertising ideas, which, you know, that's why we're here. So be that as it may. So live schematics are this thing that um, my company that I work for um, makes. And I, I work for this company. I've talked about them a little bit. We do educational simulations for people who work on very, very heavy, large, complex pieces of machinery. And this is in a whole bunch of different industries, in particular like manufacturing. If you think of a giant factory, you know, manufacturing like breakfast cereal or iPhones or cars or whatever you know you might think of robots you might think of people but there's definitely machines there large machines complicated machines thousands and thousands and thousands of moving parts and if you were to take one of those machines and look at the technical documentation for it you get these gigantic binders they're the biggest binders i've ever seen in my life they make you know your regular sort of three ring binders look um, absurdly cute and tiny huge binders full of thousands of pages of Electrical schematics and often hydraulic schematics, because these machines have to move very heavy loads back and forth very quickly and precisely. And so they do that with hydraulics, um, because hydraulics, you can transmit a lot of physical force a very far distance, and you can lift very heavy things, and you can do so very quickly and very precisely, too. So these very complicated machines that are hydraulic and electrical and, and sometimes have other things in the mix, too, have these many, many, many pages of documentation. And my company takes those pages of documentation and produces little interactive kind of game-like simulations that you can play with on a computer. And the way that these simulations look when you sort of squint at them and look at them from a distance is they look like the, the same kind of a diagram you'd get on a paper schematic. And so what, what kind of diagrams do you see on a paper schematic? Well, if you've ever seen an electrical circuit diagram where you have... Uh, Lines usually going straight horizontally or vertically that represent wires or that represent paths that electricity can flow. And then you'll have little components that those wires hook up to. And the components can have different shapes. Like there's one little symbol that means a battery, and another little symbol that means a diode, and another symbol that means a resistor, and so on and so forth. And you can kind of describe the structural relationship of the different components in a system and which components are hooked up to which other components in what way using a schematic diagram. And so with a schematic diagram and a kit of parts and some wires, you can rebuild that circuit. Or if you have that circuit and something is broken, you can look at the schematic diagram and see, oh, here's how it should work. Um, Hydraulic systems are very much the same way. You have black lines that usually go up, down or left, right. And they connect in various ways. And there's this really cute thing in hydraulics where if you have two hydraulic lines that cross over each other at a 90 degree, like in a little like plus sign kind of thing, and they're not supposed to represent an intersection, they have a little sort of a hop-over symbol where one of the little lines kind of just hops over the other one. It's very cute. And in hydraulic schematic diagrams, you'll have a component that represents the pump. So that's going to pull in fluid, usually some kind of hydraulic oil, from a little reservoir or a tank where there's a bunch of oil just sitting there waiting to be used and the pump sucks that oil out and then pushes it into the system and it's the source of flow that sort of makes the hydraulic fluid flow through the system and then that fluid will move through a number of valves that kind of direct either how much flow should happen so sort of like a like a speed control or which way through the system the fluid should go because these Hydraulic systems usually have networks of, you know, hundreds of different possible flow paths. And so there are valves that control like, ah, this valve is currently in this configuration, so fluid's going to flow over here that valve's in that configuration, so fluid's going to flow over there. And there will be like either solenoids or actual like hydraulic paths whose entire purpose is to shift valves around and redirect flow. Or sometimes you'll even have a good old-fashioned handle that some physical person will grab onto and pull to sort of adjust the internal workings of the valve and change where fluid goes. And so you get these very, very large systems with thousands of components and, you know, hundreds of different flow paths. And you have binders full of these systems. And when you start to look at it all, it's like the level of complexity that is in, you know, a typical piece of equipment for a factory or or in like a front-end loader or something. You know, if your local town is in Canada like I am, there's a lot of snow in the winter, and so you'll have a little front-end loader that can come and scoop up the snow and dump it somewhere. The amount of complexity that is in these systems is on par with the software that we work with. I'm assuming everybody listening to me right now is working on software in some capacity or another. And so you're used to working with a very large, complex system with lots of parts that have lots of relationships. And the the exact same thing happens in the case of these large pieces of machinery. And so I've spent my career working with interactive simulations that are meant to represent these complex systems and learning this whole sort of philosophy, this whole sort of culture around how these systems are thought about. So there's a lot of systems thinking, kind of dynamics thinking that goes on in this world that is similar to but different from the kind of stuff we see in programming culture. So there's the the cultural aspects of it and there's the sort of technical aspects of it, like how did they do problem solving and How do they do system design and how do they think about the relationship between like components and the things that make those components interconnected and do orchestration and that sort of thing. So there's a lot of similarity and a lot of difference there. And what I really, really like about being at the company I'm at doing this kind of work is that our whole thing is that we make a really, really nice visual tool for Understanding these systems in a new way. So we take what would typically be a static, flat, printed out paper diagram capturing a small part of a big system and we turn it into an interactive simulation where you can run the simulation and actually see fluid flowing through the different paths and the little symbols turning and spinning and moving back and forth representing you know if it's a pump the little pump icon that's normally just a circle with a little triangle kind of nested inside it pointing outwards representing this is a pump it's going to push fluid out we make that little circle spin around representing you know the inside of a pump there's a little spinning thing and that's what makes the fluid go. And if you have a motor, like a little hydraulic motor, that's whole purpose is to have hydraulic fluid push through it and then it's going to have its motor shaft hooked up to something like maybe the wheel on a vehicle if this is like a forklift or something like that for, you know, rolling around and lifting boxes and that kind of thing. If it's hydraulically powered the wheels would be turned by little hydraulic motors and so its symbol is a little circle with an inward pointing arrow representing, you know, fluid's going to flow into this motor and make it spin around. And there's Uh, Lots of other symbols like that that we found kind of illustrative ways to make them animated. And so as I was saying, what I love about doing this is our our whole thing is taking an existing representation of a complex system that is not very good and finding a way to visualize that complexity in a way that very non-technical people find compelling. Um, Because most of the customers that my company serves are these big enterprise you know multinational corporations and they buy our simulations for their like lowest level labor sort of workforce the people who are working with these machines either as operators and they have to you know understand how to safely work with this equipment and also people doing maintenance work so if the machine breaks they're the ones who have to come in and know how to fix it and more often than not these people have no real training like they'll have some training that is like if something is on fire, don't put your hand into it, like that kind of training. Or like if something is moving fast, don't stand in the way. But they don't have training like, here's how to actually think about things in a systemic way. Or here's how to understand like, uh, you know, in in hydraulics and in, in what we call fluid power, you have to understand like the Bernoulli principle, for instance, in order to do a good job of understanding system behavior. And they don't have the kind of physics background. Um, Needed to understand that and kind of appreciate it and incorporate it into their thinking. And so we have to try and teach these people how to understand very complex systems in a way that does a complete end run around giving them like a rudimentary physics education and a rudimentary systems thinking appreciation. And we also can't teach at scale by teaching people here is the exact behavior of every single component in every single system that you work with like that just does not scale we're a company of 10 people serving you know tens of thousands of people constantly around the world so we have to come up with this very succinct way of teaching very general principles and so what we've happened on is a very very visual representation of the way that these kind of systems tend to operate and it's very abstract it's very symbolic it is not literal but it is illustrative in a way that is very compelling. And so, you know, spending now 15 years or however long it's been that I've been doing this, I keep looking at what we're doing with these hydraulic and these electrical systems, and I keep thinking to myself, you know, the the same problem that people have when they try to work with a static printed black and white paper schematic is the same kind of problems I have when I try to work with a static, you know, might as well be black and white, textual representation of a system that i don't get to see it in action i just get to see this sort of out a remove abstracted artifact kind of version of it and i don't get to actually go in and play with the running system to any extent other than in this very sort of external way and these these live schematics that my company makes they let you actually go in and play with the running dynamics of the system but because it's rendered as a schematic, but we've added color and motion and that sort of thing, you get to see the inner workings of the system, but you're still seeing it from sort of like a bird's eye view. So you're seeing the whole system all at once. Whereas if you were looking at something like, you know, like a 3D animation doing a fly through of the system or something like that, you'd only really be able to focus on one element at a time. So having this schematic view from a distance lets you see the entire behavior of the whole thing at once. And so that's kind of where a lot of my inclination to build HEST has come from, which is like, what would a live schematic-like version of programming look like? What would it look like to have your entire system in view at once where you can sort of go way, way up in the air like you're playing, you know, like Factorio or something like that or cam, which I've likened HEST to before. You can see the entire system at once and the whole thing is alive at once, which is another reason why I'm not really keen on the idea of having only one uh, data point moving through the system at a time or one sort of thread of execution moving that's why i like the idea of having lots of data points all over the system all going at once and so much of what i'm doing in the design of Hest is just looking at what we've been doing with these live schematics for you know almost two decades now and thinking about what would that be like if i could do that for programming and so That's actually why I'm really gravitating towards a nodes and wire style interface as a starting point, because it already has this idea of um, little components that are wired together. And to me, that's a a really compelling thing because I've just spent a whole bunch of time figuring out how to make a version of that that gives you a lot of richness and a lot of information about the operational semantics of a complex system. And that's why I'm not gravitating towards something more, let's say, Brett Victor-y, where it's the, the operational aspects of your system are hidden or removed or, you know, sort of crushed into oblivion and that you work directly with the data, where you have a literal representation of some kind of data and you directly manipulate it. I am not Uh, Going that route, I'm going a very opposite route where I want to focus very much on the system as a system and as something that is separate from whatever data that system's operating on. Just because to me, there's a lot that I think that I can do there that would be very interesting and very compelling whereas when it comes to thinking about things like hey direct manipulation what if you're you know working right with your data and the computer can infer through like you know programming by example or whatever what to do with that data in a more general way i have no ideas about what to do about that so i'm just not even going to engage with that and i'm going to play over here with the I think, comparatively underexplored side of what if you took something that superficially resembled node-and-wire programming and just breathed like an, an incredible amount more richness and dynamism into that? What would that let you do when it came to very large, very complex systems that could fill thousands of pages in multiple binders?